As evidence shows, the longer you're off work, the less likely you are to return to work. And it's a huge cost to everyone involved. In Nova Scotia and across Canada, we are facing an issue with workforce that we have never really faced in my time before. A time when we simply don't have enough skilled workers to do the work that needs to be done. We don't have enough skilled workers to fill the jobs that are available. And it's true all across the country. At the WCB, we think that part of the solution to this problem might be right in front of us. We know that in Nova Scotia, more time is lost to workplace injury than it is anywhere else across the country. Almost a million days were lost last year to workplace injury. It's like the whole population of Port Hawkesbury not working for a year. But what if we could keep those skilled workers safe and healthy at work? What if for those people who did have a workplace injury, we were able to bring them back into the workplace with new and different thinking that would keep them at work longer and make sure that we have more people doing the jobs that need to be done? Joining us today is Melissa Jenkins. She's the Health and Wellness Manager for Emergency Medical Care. This is the group that operates ambulances and handles 811 and 911 calls in our province. This is an essential group for us as Nova Scotians, and Melissa is really leading the way in new approaches to helping people return to the workplace safely in a timely way after a workplace injury. So welcome, Melissa. I'm so glad you were able to join us here today. I wonder if you could share with us a little bit about yourself, your role, the organization you work for. Well, um, I'm the manager of health and wellness for emergency medical care. And emergency medical care is a province-wide organization who administers the EHS contract for ground ambulance, life flight, and our medical communication center, as well as we um, oversee 811 um, for the Nova Scotia Department of Health as well. So my role is overseeing a team of six individuals where we look after um, cases of employees who have been off sick or injured at work. Okay, kind of ambulance and dispatch. Correct. Very interesting kind of scope of work overall when you think about the kind of work that those people do. Exactly. Absolutely. And the core of you have a, a, a large workforce who the core of what their responsibility is, is to help other people, to help people like me, uh, Nova Scotians. It's, it's an incredible scope yeah. of care. There is no question. Paramedics and 911 dispatchers both uh, respond to emergencies every single day. Can you share with us what you see are the biggest risks for the, the workers in your workplace? I guess a common theme is the unknown. It's not so much responding to a call where it's the unknown. It's not knowing what the outcome was. So often when you think of a dispatcher, they've received the call. They can hear whoever it is on the other, other end of the phone speaking, um, giving all the details. They're doing what they can to assist the person that's calling, whether they're the patient or not. Mm -hmm. um, from there, once the ambulance arrives on scene, um, their job is kind of done. And right. because of privacy rules, we can't go back until no one can tell us, like the hospital or, or whoever was involved, what the outcome is. Then from there, um, the ambulance brings the patient to the hospital. And again, once we transfer care, that's the end of our role. So we don't know if, or they, they don't know if the outcome of what they did. Right. And that can be very difficult. No, Not knowing if what you did 
was worthwhile. So the burden in how you feel about that work. It's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that your whole team provides care for people, but you only provide care for part of that journey. How do you help people deal with that? Because they must deal with that over and over and over every day. Yeah. I guess that's where we come in as, as health and wellness, as well as we do have a peer team. So we have a peer and family team, which is made up of uh, volunteers, staff volunteers, I should say, mm -hmm. um, of their own group. And they have a schedule that they set to. So they're there available 24-7 for anyone that may be experiencing difficulty. Um, health and wellness, we're only there Monday to, I shouldn't say only, but we're only there Monday to Friday, you know, right. sort of the eight to four sort of scenario. However, you know, it's having that safe space for people to speak. Um, and being open to talking, but then we have lots of resources available and that are accessible at all hours of the day to help to help staff through that. Sometimes it, it's, it becomes that the employee does need to go off work and we need to recognize and I guess appreciate that. It's not about the unknown the one time. It's always doing that one, that call. You know what to do, mm -hmm. but you just don't know if what you did, what the outcome difference. was. Right. Um, or if the outcome wasn't in the patient's favor, um, was it truly something that was beyond your control? Right. And that does have, th that does lead to some of our trauma and our privacy legislation doesn't allow us to give them that information. Absolutely. So the best is to try to prevent it through being prepared for that. That's what we're working on. You know, it, it's, it's, there's always gaps in everything anyone does and we're, we're learning as well. We've grown our department. Absolutely. Many, many workplaces are in the same position that for years we have focused on physical safety. How do we make sure we're doing the right things to, to keep our employees, keep ourselves safe at work? But the concept of psychological safety, which has really been there the whole time, but we didn't proactively think about it. We didn't necessarily do all the things we could do to, to deal with it. And some organizations like yours have had peer support programs for a long time, um, but maybe you could share with us some of the other strategies that you're working on to provide those kinds of psychological health and wellness supports. We're in the process of, I guess, enhancing what we have in place. One of the things we've been doing is reviewing, do we have a psychological health and safety framework in place? Officially, like formally, we don't have anything formal, um, but we have bits and pieces of it. We just need to bring it to bed together, like we say, you know, package it up with the pretty red red bow sort of approach. Right. Uh, we have lots of pieces, so we don't want to lose sight of that because we do have lots of pieces, but we need to bring it together. And again, like we have lots of resources that are available for staff, which is a, a big part of it. Uh, we have early access uh, to different programs. Uh, we have our resources, which are even before it becomes an injury you know, sort of looking at what um, options might be out there to help when you feel you're struggling before it becomes um, an injury. So just some different things that we have in place um, that we're looking to bring bring together, doing some own, even our own education, looking at, um, you know, what different standards are out there, uh, speaking to other organizations, seeing what's best practice and bringing some of those things in. The tougher days that the calls that we get, it's not even that someone has gone off work it's the I'm reaching out for resources because I'm struggling. You know, it's it's that precursor and they don't always understand or even recognize that it's probably related to trauma. 
and is having that conversation with them, with the worker around, um, without coming out and saying it, because it, it is a, they have to come to that realization themselves sometimes, you know, about what, uh, what injury that they might have. So I think some of those tougher days are the days for us when we get some of those calls and they're thinking it's something really outside of the realm and really it's probably related to trauma. Your organization is doing things to be proactive and and because as, as you and I know, we've heard first responders talk about over time. I've heard paramedics talk about that um, that concept of I worked and I worked and I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. And then one day I wasn't fine. How do you support your employees as they work their way through it in a way that it isn't the one that they can get through a, a trauma and they are equipped to get back on the truck or they're equipped to go back to work? Yeah. I guess it goes back to the peer team and even their supervisors and that support as part of that psychological health and safety program as well, recognizing when those, what are those calls? You know, what are, what are, how do we identify those calls that could put someone at higher risk? Um, The peer team has that, um, there's already some directions or instructions there for the, for when to the supervisor to engage the peer team and also for when to give staff a break. Okay. You know, from from doing calls, whether mm-hmm. it's an hour, two hours, or even just going home, it's recognizing that. But a lot of that is, it's great to have that written down to a point. But again, it's up to the it's onto the individual because Shelley, as you know, what what might impact you might absolutely. not impact me. We may be the two on that call. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it could be just as simple as knowing uh, something has changed in your personal life. Could be something that's making you more vulnerable. It, right. It's it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And difficult to prevent. But I guess the focus is where we're going to be focusing on is more about how do we prepare our staff. And that's part of that. The psychological health and safety program is how do we prepare them for this day? We're not there yet, but we're we're still in that reactive mode, Mm -hmm. um, trying to help uh, uh, staff. We do have, um, you know, the working minds and our term are in place, which does help staff identify. Right. But of course, that's a small piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's their start. Yeah, yeah, it's a start. Um, but again, it's how do we prepare them? How do you prepare them? Because we don't know what they're going to see. No one knows what they're going to see when they arrive on that call and how that's they're going to react. Lots of times it's not what they're trained to, to do that bothers them. It's the response of those around them, the, the, uh-huh. the, um, the, the screaming mm-hmm. of, of those that are the family members that are there. You know, those are the things. And how do you prepare people for that? And how do you help them work through to build that resilience? It is the, the, how do those two pieces work together? How do, how do we help people prepare themselves and how do we prepare the supports around them? You know, as leaders and employers, we need to recognize that sometimes it's not everything that we do. Same as the employees, right? Same as the workers. We can do everything, but we're just here. It's, yeah. We're just here, right. right? We can only do so much. Um, and, and things may still happen that the employee needs to go off work. Mm-hmm. However, also recognizing if they can stay at work, we make sure they ha- we have something that's meaningful and suitable, that it you know engages their recovery, as well as that it keeps them safe and not uh, causes more injury. Absolutely. I'm really interested to hear you talk about your journey in supporting safe and timely return to work for your employees, um, particularly around the paramedics and the the dispatchers. As you tried to work your way through that, as you were building your return to work program, or as you are building, I guess, your return to work program, there's it's always in development. Um, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced as you started in that journey? 
When I first started into the role, um, we were just in the midst of a pandemic. Right. So um, there were some restrictions, I guess, in place, even of what we could do, getting staff back to work. Um, one of the things we had to look at was what was our what was our foundation like what was that the the, the policy the philosophy mm-hmm. and uh, we did some work even with amongst the leaders um, talking about how it's important we really had to educate ourselves um, leaders around the importance of engaging staff in the workplace as we as evidence shows or research shows and we've even seen um, the longer you're off work, the less less likely you are to return to work. Absolutely. Um, and it's a huge cost to everyone involved, whether it's the employer or the worker. Absolutely. You know, the, the worker also loses a lot. A lot. Um, a lot. You know, even if it's from a quality of life or financial. Absolutely. You know, a little bit of both. A little bit of everything. You know, the social. So how can we look at keeping them engaged when, as I mentioned earlier, we have a provincial program where everything is clinical, they could be in rural areas, mm-hmm. not necessarily remote, but rural areas and an hour or over 100 kilometers away from a main base. Their base is literally like a garage for, for the for the ambulance and right. they have their stock and whatever, but there is no, everything is clinical. Right. You know, every, there's nothing to do that's a little bit different. So we've had to be creative mm-hmm. as to how we can find um things that are within the employees, the workers' abilities, and how we can do that in these rural areas um, or even more remote areas, I mean, or non-urban areas, I should say. Um, we look at Hel- or Dartmouth, where our, our, our office is, Dartmouth, Halifax. Anyone that's in this area, pretty much we can find something for them. Right. Because we have non-clinical roles. Everywhere else, it's pretty much a clinical role, and most often their restrictions or their abilities don't allow them to do the clinical piece. And there's very little for them to do or for us to give them. Um, In the comm center, again, it's that exposure to the clinical piece. Absolutely. And and most often we have to look at what else can we do that's and think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people think, well, you know, going to 811, they have that experience. Um, you know, that's a good transition. However, the phone still rings. The phone still rings. And yeah. sometimes it's the phone that's ringing. That's the trigger. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. somebody at the end who needs help. Right. It's the combination. The help may be different, but help nonetheless. Help nonetheless. Help nonetheless. Yeah. We've had to look at different options as to how we can help staff by even engaging community partners. Um, We've um, come up with a program uh, through a contracted service that helped us with this, um, where we have contracts with uh, people in the community where the staff could go um, and do some work. We've we've had very little, uh, and the reason being is uh, we've not had to use it very often because we've been able to find things and be creative in-house. So that's the change we've seen over the last couple of years is how the opportunities within um, our own company, we've been able to be creative and find ways to get to have staff stay with us. It's excellent. You have an incredibly skilled workforce and they have so much to give. But as you said, it's in that clinical area. So how do you think differently about it's not necessarily even work, it's opportunity, which Correct. becomes work. Um, what are things that they could do to to build something else? That's a that's a great that's a great thing to hear. And how did you get everybody to buy into this approach? It takes a lot of talking, you know, a lot of um, 
proactive approach, trying to help people um, to see the benefits. Right. You know, we still see whether at different levels, you know, sometimes those barriers are there mm -hmm. um, and that's natural for anyone. You know, most often the workers are eager to come back to work after an injury or an absence, um, but there's sometimes some, some, there's some that don't, same as the leaders. Um, sometimes it's, it's still learning, looking at the abilities mm -hmm. and not necessarily focusing on what they can't do. Right. And having to make the adjustment. And so a lot of it has been a lot of conversations, a lot of education, a lot of conversations at different levels mm -hmm. um, to try to get people to understand. Absolutely. It is a shift in thinking. And we see the same or we've seen the same over time in terms of physical injury that we and I, I mean, the very broad we had this thought that you had to be 100 uh, percent to go back to work. So you think of me, I am not 25 and uh, <laughs> I'm a lot older than 25 and I have, you know, the knees that go with my age. Right. And you think if I was to be back to a hundred percent, I'd have to go back in time. It wouldn't be pre-injury. It's back yeah. in time. So that, but it's a shift in thinking um, to think I don't, I don't have to be a hundred percent in terms of my knees perhaps, but I, I could be a hundred percent in something else. And so how do we, we think about it from that I, opportunity is the word I go to that I bring an opportunity. It's just figuring out what the right match for me yeah. might be and to have people around me see that. And it, but it is a shift in thinking for everyone. It is. No question. We've seen it in physical injury and we are now seeing it with psychological injury as well. How do we, how do we see that opportunity? The other thing um, we've done is gone to the different leaders and said, what are the key components to the jobs? Okay. Can they meet the key components of the job? So if it's 75%, how can we make do with that other 25%? Right. Like, is that really the key components? Is it that detrimental that they can't meet the other 25? And how can we make that work? Okay. Work for you and work for them. It's an excellent you know? way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I was giving some thought this morning on the way into around, um, you know, I am, a, I do have a healthcare background as well. And if I think of when we look at um, delivering patient care, we also have to have that same type of thinking. It's individualized care based on the person's need or the patient's need. True enough. So we have to look at once an a worker becomes injured, that there's individual needs as well that we need to consider. Right. Before we bring them you know, as part of the return to work process, mm -hmm. whether it's from a cultural perspective, um, injury, education, everything, anything. It's the same type of approach. And, and I think that's where our thinking is sort of changing as well. Mm -hmm. It's not just, well, you were hired to do this job. Right. Yes. But now they're on a return to work. Let's try to keep it as close as possible to their base, to their, to their schedule to minimize that disruption as well. And maybe you could share with us some of the results that you've seen from this new approach that you've done over the last couple of years. So what we will hear is, you know, I'm a paramedic. It's what I want to do. I take pride in wearing the uniform. I take pride in what I do, looking after Nova Scotians. They want to come back. They want to come back to that role. I think that's what makes them happy is, is doing the job that they know and what they trained for. They This is what they I, trained for. I often for. get asked, and sometimes it's what do you see do you, how much success do you see? And I usually answer that by saying it depends on your definition of success. Absolutely. So we may have um, employees come back to work right away 
because of the partnerships we've been able to build with mm -hmm. clinics, WCB, all partners of care, get staff to work with minimal uh, amount of time missed. So that's a success. Mm -hmm. We have also seen some staff be away for months, couple years and come back to full duties and come back to their pre-injury role. Which is incredible. Which is incredible. Point, yeah. Which is incredible. Um, however, success, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not that that's the only measure of success. Great. Success can also be they're back to work. It may not be to the pre-injury role, but they're still engaged in work with us. Mm -hmm. Success can also be um, they've determined. I've had we've had staff come to us and say, I went through the program, you know, did did the uh, treatment and what it made me realize is I can't do this job anymore. I need to find something else. Right. So I don't see that as a failure. I actually see that as success. We're supporting our employees, whether it's uh, through their decisions to leave the profession mm -hmm. or even to find something different and doing vocational rehab. So that was also a, another change in thinking is staff need closure. We need closure as well as the employer, but staff need their closure. Right. And if it means supporting them through another way, mm -hmm. I think as leaders, we need to be open to that. And it's not just always about getting them back to pre-injury. We have to recognize that sometimes that's not the case, kind of going back to some of us aren't 25 anymore. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it comes to a point we have to make decisions if, if, when we're injured or something happens or we don't want to get injured. And right. what decisions, it do, what does that decision look like for me? Again, going back to that individual. Um, so I think success um, or how we look at some good stories is based on the individual, how they perceive it. That's a that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. And do you have any stories of, of anyone that you'd like to share with us or anything you could tell us? I think the only, the, the one that I would look at specifically is going back to some of these trauma-related injuries where staff have been off work for a significant amount of time and they are back to work into their pre-injury role back to the truck, as you say, yes. um, working as a paramedic and successfully doing it yeah. after being out of the workplace for well over a year. So although typically we say, you know, the longer you're out of work, the longer you, you are, the less the harder success, it is to yeah, come the harder back. Is to yeah. come back. Uh, we're not necessarily seeing that because of the different treatments that are in place, but I would say those are our more success stories where, um, you know, we do have staff that have been out for a significant amount of time where they've been engaged through ongoing treatment and not even necessarily doing being engaged at work as return to work. However, um, doing that, it takes months as for return to work. Mm -hmm. So those are our more successful ones that I would say, like a, as an example, um, is getting the staff back to work and being patient, working through their pace, which could be six a six-month return to work plan, right. which was difficult for us to get our heads wrapped around at the beginning, I mm -hmm. will admit. But they get to that six-month return to work plan and they're back to their pre-injury role. Like those are without getting too specific no absolutely um, without so we don't identify people um th that would be how in those cases is getting the right i guess the right treatment early and at the right time it's about if they need to go off work we need to support that right. engaging wcb right away uh with the tpi program that's made a, a difference um getting staff into their treatment going through that treatment doing the return to work when they're ready to um for the six to nine months sometimes it takes and then they're most of them been back to full duties. It is amazing. I, I've had the opportunity, as you know, to meet quite a few first responders kind of across the, the first responder community and paramedics as well. And, and I've been so inspired 
uh, by the, some of the people that I've met, uh, I think all the people that I've met, um, and 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 different people have proceeded through the journey differently. Their commitment to to do good work, and and now their commitment to maintain their own mental health and how important that is to doing that work. And and the WCB is pleased that we've been able to um, build the traumatic psychological injury program that gets people. Um, into the program quickly, they get a diagnosis quickly, they get into a treatment program quickly, and we are seeing better outcomes that when you can have that that uh, that that kind of service that comes together quickly um, and as opposed to over time in the past, it often took a long time to get a solid uh, consistent treatment plan. And uh, so we're early days and in early days with you yeah. in, uh, in this plan or this program, but but we are seeing good outcomes, and um, and it's it's good outcomes for those people and good outcomes for the places where they work. So, yeah, it's a good thing to see. And you know, Shelley, you mentioned something about um, you know being amazed or, or in awe about how they work through those get back to work and work through those injuries. But it's like we talk about you know within our team, we'll say. You know, an employee might have, if we compare to the physical injury, mm -hmm. sometimes you come back to work and there's still pain, right? Absolutely. When you have a physical injury, you just have to learn, uh, or discomfort, I should say, not pain. Mm -hmm. So it's not uncommon with cer certain injuries to have discomfort. You work, you have to learn to work through them or you, work, you learn to work through them. It's the same as a trauma injury. It it's is. a type of brain injury. It is. And you have, it's, it's a way of learning how to work through, um, those symptoms mm -hmm. and know what the trigger is and, and when you feel that coming on, what are you going to do differently? Um, so, Melissa, you and I have had the opportunity to actually where we met, I think, is through the first responder uh, mental health steering committee. And uh, this is a group of uh, first of the from the first responder community that's come together to build tools and resources and uh, to help people who are off work after an injury. And um, and it, it, there's been all kinds of benefits, I think, that we've started to see from the collaboration of this group. I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, as that first responder group comes together and tries to work collaboratively. What are the benefits you think that we can see of that? The biggest benefit that I see is having, I guess, a peer who oversees first responders as well or, or staff that are um, out uh, on an injury or sick, where we have some common commonalities. Um, a lot of those first responders work out of a vehicle, right? Right. And how do we how do we manage that? They're dealing with emergencies. Um, we can't prevent what they're going to. Right. We would have to be able. We would have to be Mother Nature and prevent the event from happening, which is different. Yes. So I think um, you know we have some long-standing uh, organizations that have had some of these programs in place. They're still learning as well, or some have some parts of them very well set. And I think we need to share. We just need to share what tools, practices, um, approaches, um, anything that we can. Um, and I think that group allows us to have those connections. Like I've already reached out to some within that within the group around their return to work plan and how are they doing things differently. Um, also looking at it from 
that resiliency perspective. You know, when when do you pull an employee off the truck, you know, or out of, exactly. out of service sort of thing? And what's some of the first things you do for treatment? You know, how do you handle that? So I see that group as really beneficial in having those peer discussions as well as so we can take back to our own organizations, right? It's all about what we can do for our own for our own workers and how we can make things better for them. That's I see that as the, the big the big piece and the biggest benefit is that information sharing, whether it's tools, resources, ideas, um, all and, and then we can tailor them to what we need. Absolutely. The uh, the group met a few weeks ago, and the, the thing we talked about now is how do we help uh, people who are off work stay connected to the workplace? And some of the things when we talked about that that day, what I had envisioned, what they mentioned, I thought we hadn't thought of that. Right. It's it's not always a positive thing. Right. 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 Um, but how do you recognize that? And, and how do you get that information to the leaders as well, right? So there's some different things that they they talked about that, uh, that um, you know, got us thinking in a different way. Absolutely. Which is really good because the last thing we want to do is put something in place or do something where we're going to cause more harm. Right. And the other thing, too, is it's a lot of work when you're doing these things and starting something up. It's a lot of work. Um, so I'm a big supporter of if we can collaborate with others and take what they already have as opposed to us trying to figure it out because none of us are the experts. Absolutely. And we've all had to learn. Absolutely. I agree that learning from others is is such a great opportunity. And this is difficult and challenging work. And the more we can do to support people and keep them safe and healthy and on the job, um, that that's that's the goal. So, Melissa, thank you very much for being with us here today. We really appreciate uh, the insight that you've been able to provide and um, and the leadership that um, EMCI is taking to shift the way you think about injury in the workplace, that physical and psychological injury, and that learning journey that you're on with your own workforce to um, think about uh, injury prevention when it comes to psychological injury, to think about that in a different way, and to think about the challenges and opportunities with return to work. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to WorkShift, a podcast from the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at worksafeforlife.ca.